Welcome to the Rally Podcast. I'm Josh Vaughn. I'm Marissa Raglan. We are the co-founders of Rally, where we're all about cultivating community through creativity. In this podcast series, we explore creative communities and the communal landscapes they foster. Today, we come to you from Studio 6, located in the heart of the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City. Welcome to my studio. Today, we are honored to have Chef Andrew Black on the show. He is an acclaimed Oklahoma City chef and a 2022 James Beard Award semifinalist. He has founded Culinary Edge Concepts, which has brought us restaurants like Gray Sweater, Black Walnut, and the soon-to-be-opened Gilded Acorn in the newly renovated First National Building. For over 15 years, he has been a pioneer and innovator of creativity in the OKC culinary arts community and beyond. It's our honor to have you, an accomplished chef and James Beard Award semifinalist, on our humble podcast. First off, congratulations. That had to be an amazing experience. Could you share more about the James Beard Award and what does being a semifinalist for this award mean to you? You know, for me, it's like anything else, we all work to achieve the big goal. And so for me, it means that we have a voice where we can really create a platform to help people in need. That's always been our, it's always been our thing. And so also with the people who take this journey with me, because, you know, we opened these restaurants right before COVID and COVID hit and the ones who stick around, it was really tough. So to have to know they can achieve this in less than four years is a big thing. Um, The James Beard is a big thing, of course. Um, What it does, yes, it brings more people through your door, but the irony of everything is that we now have more people know about us in Oklahoma City because it's a city that I love so much. And so to get our name out there more is a big thing, but more than anything, it comes down to giving us a platform and a voice where we can help others. That's all we're trying to do. The food, food has to be great. Cocktail has to be great. We know that. We work hard at those. But the message is a bigger thing for us. Yeah. For those who don't know your story, might be asking... Why OKC? Well, you know, I'm from Jamaica. Some might know that, some don't. I grew up in an East Indian family. Most people might said, hey, you might have cooked great Jamaican meal. I have friends that are way better than I am cooking <laughs> Jamaican food. <laughs> I grew up eating a lot of Indian food, puri, the dal, the kari, the chutney, the muligatani, all those good Indian spices I grew up on. And as the last kid, I was in the kitchen with my grandmother all the time. Left home very early and worked in a hotel for free almost two years. And my story is not a pity story. You know, it's a journey that happened to be my journey. We all have our own marbles, our own journey. This happened to be my journey. But worked at a hotel for two years for free, live on and off in the change room, clean over 18 fridge a day, juice over 3,000 orange a day for free. And that same hotel took me and sent me to study. So came here. I was at the Peabody Hotel working and wanted to move back to Paris. Worked in Paris for a little at a Ritz Hotel. And at the time in Memphis, Tennessee, out trying to find myself as a young man. Where can I fit in? Where can I work where the work is the only thing that matters? I was that into it. Still is. And so I got a call to came to Oklahoma City to open the Skirvin Hotel and I said, no, where the hell is that? They called me again and again and again and again. And finally, they said, listen, we don't care if we have to pay your fare to Paris back. We just want to come and see the project. And so I came down here and met with John Williams at the time and Paul Van Ramzong. And I remember Mr. Williams sitting down with him. He said, hey, if you don't believe the nicest of people in the world are in Oklahoma City, 
go and ask for Bricktown. At least three, five people said, follow me over there. So I took him up on that offer and three people said, follow me to Bricktown. I'll show you around. And that's when I knew I needed to at least give it a try. So one year passed, two year, three year, four year, I did not unpack. I'm like, there's no way I'm dying in this town. But 15 years, here I am still. Fell in love with Oklahoma, more and more in love with it every day. This is home for me. You know, leaving home that early, it's like you're out in the world by yourself. So you don't know what it is to have family around. Yeah. But now there are people in Oklahoma, I can't picture myself waking up and not being around them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's how... That's how this place is to me. Like, this yeah. is home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's <laughs> it's people you never expected needing. Yeah, it's absolutely. People, absolutely. People that maybe the younger self, yeah. was, I know. Right. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be <laughs> friends with it. They're crazy. You know, they're, they're some redneck yeah. or they're this or they're that. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, the people in Oklahoma, they're true people. If they said let's have coffee, they mean it. They don't just bullshit and say, mm-hmm. hey, that's it. no, they mean it. So mm-hmm. yep. just grateful. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Sounds like sounds like you were like born in Oklahoma but in Jamaica. <laughs> so you know the first place I touched down to or I went to visit when I came here of all the places we woke Oh wow. <laughs> I kid you not because when I came here I said, "Hey, what do we cultivate here?" And the first thing, "Oh, nothing, man. It's just dry state." And I'm like, "No, man, I'm going to do some research." And so I realized we produce we woke produce one of the biggest harvests of sorghum. Yeah, and a that's big great. Sargum festival up there. Yeah, and that's where that's the first thing I I kind of um, got attached to when I came here. Yeah. That's cool. Have you used sorghum in your? Oh, absolutely. We even till today we use a little sorghum here and there. But when I was at the Skirvin Hotel, I use it big time. That's yeah. cool. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Well, could you share a little bit about your restaurant group, Culinary Edge, concepts with us? And what sets each one of your restaurants apart? Yeah. Um, good question. Um, you know, sometimes you're out there on the street and you hear people marvel about the restaurant. And at the end of the day, what sets us different? We're not better than anyone. We're not... I don't even think we're more creative than anyone, to be honest, because it depends on the time of the day, what you're trying to create. And everyone, everyone in a, is an artist in their own way and what they create is what they create. So it's hard. I have a hard time dealing with what sets us apart. If I was to nail it down, though, I would say most people has to sleep and we don't have to. <laughs> Hard workers. I, it's yeah. just we're just I know for me I just go, go, go. But you know, we're a tiny company. Culinary Edge was formed by myself and Rudy Corey, which is my business partner. I met Rudy years ago from the Scurvin days. And you know, Rudy's one of those persons like I could never picture myself not seeing him every That's day. Cool. I often say I don't have a business partner. I do business with a family member. And that is so Mm. true. We met years ago. We knew we always wanted to do something. We've looked at a lot of different space over the years. And so when we, when we stumble upon the space in Deep Deuce, it, we knew we could put three restaurants there and Labigate made sense because that was already established. Even though now we close it down to move it to Yukon. We're still working on that. But Black Walnut made sense and Gray Sweater made sense. So I'll tell you a little about Gray Sweater. Uh, when I was at the Skirvin Hotel, I started a chef table way back in the days. That's where it all started. And my customer have always said to me, you need to do this on a big scale one day because we love it so much. 
at a scarf in that little six top table would be booked for a good six months. And I was told, no, I couldn't do it at the beginning. They're like, you know, back then I was like, Jesus, I was worse than going around. I was like, God, forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> now I've grown up. But, you know, I remember the general manager said to me, you think a guest want to hear a chef in the damn kitchen acting crazy? Hell no, no way. <laughs> anyway, we went behind his back and we did this little table and it was booked out. You know, That's and, great. Yeah, and that's when he finally bought me chairs for the, ta- for the chef table. But anyway, so Grace Sweater always knew I wanted to do something bigger. So you might wonder why Grace Sweater. Um, the color gray has no allegiance. After working in corporate all over the world in restaurant, everyone always say to you, hey, do your best. Bring me the best item. And as soon as you do it, it's like, well, you're out there too much. So I wanted to do something that we were cooking without boundaries and barriers. And what made sense was gray sweater because gray has no allegiance. The color gray, is it black, is it white? And no matter what you fell in love with in the kitchen, what we serve, we don't care. We try to move on. Mm-hmm. We try to move on. We, you love it, great, but it's time to move on. We didn't want to be caught up in, well, the silverware is supposed to serve this way. The drink support supposed to pour this way. It's a space where our creativity just go wild and the answers you get to witness it. That's that's where the gray era comes in. And the sweater is just the want of the service. Because at the end of the day, the food has to be good. The cocktail has to be good. The wine has to be good. The service has to be good. But it's how we made you feel. If you're in our establishment and we don't make you feel like, wow, you're welcome. You've Your money was well spent. Then we're failed. Right. And a lot, a lot of people's takeaway, it can be the best food, the best drink, the best everything. And they have horrible service. Right. They'll remember the horrible service. Exactly. And we, we never want that. We, you know, when we open this restaurant, we know that we're on a stage where we can't have a bad night. Mm-hmm. Period. You just yeah. can't have a bad night in grace. We're not for what people pay. And so we source ingredients from all over the world. And a food comes into us seven days a week at times. And we offer a three-tier menu, five, seven, and ten. They're all built in separate emotion, meaning to tell their own stories. And we don't flip our seats. We call you and interview you before you dine with us. Before you come in, we know about you, everything we need to know. And so that's the gray sweater where Black Walnut is concerned. When I went to our branding agency, you know, I had like seven different names for this restaurant. (laughs) I thought I was going to have a DJ, the whole nine yard, everything. I gave them the names I wanted to. I think one of them was the house and <laughs> the Cody from Liquid Fishes. Bendo has laughed and he said, what's your name? I said, Andrew Black. He said, well, where's the restaurant located? I said, Walnut. it's in Fourth and Walnut. Yeah. He said, well, it's Black Walnut, man. Yeah. Why are you overthinking it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so we went back to the joint table and we just knew it had to be a restaurant that was built based on your mood, how you eat. Mm-hmm. And it's a neighborhood restaurant to uh, serve the community and serve the state of Oklahoma and even people who are traveling. Believe it or not, when you wake up, you ask yourself, what am I in the mood to eat? Where do I want to go to eat? No, oh, I believe I that 100%. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think people realize that, you know. So the menu is not built in appetizer, entree or what. Instead, it's built in smokiness, saltiness. What are you in the mood for? That's cool. Fresh, light, yeah. and that's how it's built. And so we found our niche there. People love it. All these restaurants, you know, <laughs> 
God, so many questions about them. Um, everyone was laughing. It's never going to work, but thank God it has worked. Um, and thank God for the people who have made it work because mm-hmm. it's not me. It's that I've been blessed to have great ambassadors around me that make it work. I remember the first night we opened, um, and I have never told this story on a big stage, so I'm going to tell it tonight. Awesome. <laughs> I remember the first night we opened Gray Sweater. Our first guest came in and... The guest was trying to wine and dine this lady. And so he bought everything and he just, everything. And he was feeling good. We gave him the tab and I could hear him start just arguing and fighting over there. Anyway, I'm standing over the bar and I remember the gentleman got out a chair and he started running out, literally running out of the restaurant. And he looked over at me. He's like, Chef Black, F you if you think anybody's going to buy this shit in Oklahoma. <laughs> and he ran out. That oh. was the first night. Now, oh. for all the listeners, <laughs> for all the listeners, imagine what this do to you yeah. as an entrepreneur ballsy enough to open a restaurant like this. Imagine the feeling you go home with. Right. And the question you ask yourself. That was like, I'll never forget the night. But you know what? What turned that around is this. The people who took the journey, they believed so much. So they were able to call me and get me up out of bed and say, hey, buddy, let's do this. Okay, (laughs) let's do this. Don't listen to that one guess. And so everything from that point was just, and then COVID hit. And then when COVID hit is when we realized there's so many people who want us to succeed. We were getting checks from people that we never met. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And, you know, and all my friends who always said, hey, you need to move to LA. You need to move to New York. Build your restaurant there. They were shut down. And I was saying to them, hey, buddy, <laughs> you need to guess move to what? We're open. <laughs> you need to move to Oklahoma City. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that has been such a story, but we're, it's it's been a journey. Yeah. You know? I, one thing I would say, though, is is... Even though it, it it was devastating to you at the time, everybody around you was like, let's circle the wagons. We're going yeah. to, we need to protect our leader. We need to lift him up. And yeah. that wouldn't happen otherwise or naturally, unless there was a crisis point like that. Right. And and that's just awesome to be able to see that you've yeah. got the right people working yeah, with you. We've learned so much from it. And you know, even the ones that moved on are the ones that help us get to the stage we are. So we're just grateful. Yeah. So Chef Black, do you consider yourself a creative? And would you go as far as to say you identify as an artist? If so, why? Um, I think, and you know, true artists, the one that sketch, they probably said, no, you're not a damn artist. <laughs> you know? It's just like, what makes somebody a foodie? Because you eat a lot and travel the world and eat. And I know I'll get a slap for this, but what makes you a damn foodie? Like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um being an artist is like I wanna say yes, but I also wanna say that we're just in a different artist lane. Right. If that's politically correct. That's because fine. I'm gonna speak for myself, you know, when a dish in creating a dish, sometimes I have to sketch it out and I can't sketch to save my life. And if I'm not doing that, I have to picture it on a plate. And there are things that it's like a sketch. It starts somewhere. It's a reference point somewhere. And it ends at one point. And sometimes the drawing continue. So if I may say, yeah, we're artists in our own rights or in our own way. We love to start on a white canvas, which is our white plate. 
And, you know, we had colors, we had texture, we had flavors, everything. So we're creating. Yeah. Now, I, I would just say, you know, just to let you off the hook is I think most people look at you as like a master artist. I don't look at them as limited to being like, if you're creating visual arts or you're creating music or whatever that it's kind of an artist is the way you process the world. It comes in, you mix it around and you send, you're like, ah, you know, normal's not okay. Let's kick something out. That's creative. That has your touch on it. Then you're an artist, whether you're doing, you know, whether you're a teacher or you're a, a chef or you're a stay at home mom, whatever. It's the way you process the world. It makes, I believe we're all creative and we're all meant to be creative. But I truly think that you're an artist, which is a way that somebody processes the world. And so, yeah, you're hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you may, you're probably more than I am so, yeah. <laughs> at this point. I, I always say no matter how gr- good the food look or beautiful, it has to taste good. Mm-hmm. No matter, no matter what we're putting on our plate, it has to be taste real, real good. You know, you'll forget a recipe. A taste always linger mm-hmm. years down the road. That taste is always linger. Yeah. Have you ever had something at a restaurant and you're like, man, my grandmother used to make this. Well, mm-hmm. what do you think you're referenced to? It's not how it looks. Mm-hmm. It's a taste. It yep. lingers. Yep. So in our artery or in our artist form, no matter what we're creating, no matter what we put on the plate, it, it better taste well. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I'm actually curious about your favorite flavor profile. What's your fav- What's your go-to meal? Um, My go-to meal, you know, it's... I mean, I, and it's a shame because I don't serve this in any of our restaurant, but my go-to meal, and I'm having that question come to me these days more than ever. It's, it's not be a good curry for me. Yeah. Like seriously. It's like what you were talking <laughs> it, about though. Yeah. And, and it's like, it lingers. It's like, God, someday I wake up and I just want a big, you know, I want some puri and some curry what is curry goat or curry lamb and you know nothing beats that for me because that's what i grew up on right um and not a lot of people is exposed to that not a lot of people is exposed to that but i'll tell you this you know listeners might say oh why don't you put some of that on the menu or what i truly believe in how we're cooking now is not how we're going to be cooking the next couple of years because we continue to evolve so we're god we're excited about just more things coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm getting to be able to create the next thing. Yeah. yeah. Where do you see Oklahoma city and cuisine in the culinary arts in five or 10 years? Well, I tell you what, uh, really good question. I've worked in state already where I've seen this transformation happen and what's going to happen in Oklahoma city. I promise you this, we're going to see more cultural restaurant because it's a state that is growing so fast. So you have more people moving in and what comes with that is more authentic culture. Mm -hmm. And those people are going to open a cultural restaurant. You're going to have a cultural Ethiopian restaurant, a cultural Venezuelan restaurant. And those might be here already, Mm -hmm. but is the list is going to continue. So with that said, you're going to see us growing in the food scene big time. Another thing I know for a fact is going to happen in a couple of years, you're People might say, well, it's a steak and potato town. We still love our steak. Absolutely, we do. But you're going to see a lot more vegetables on plate mm-hmm. and less meat mm-hmm. in the years to come. In yeah. years to come, as we evolved, you're going to see, and yeah, I might get beat up for this, but it's the truth. <laughs> you're going to see a lot more vegetables and less meat on yeah. the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
what is your creative process? Are you concept driven? Does the accessibility to your ingredients drive your creativity or what kind of gets you thinking about this is the next plate that I want to? Uh, stories. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, we pull ingredients from all over the world. So for me is like, if you come to, let's use gray sweater, for example, see, I collect sand from all over the world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so sands tell a story because if it's a really refined sand, powdery, you can tell on that beach, a lot of people visited. It's great water versus a sand that is just coarse in how many people really been there versus tell such a story and a history of it and where it's from. In food, I want to tell a story. I want you to be able to sit in gray sweater and you're eating a piece of fish from the New Zealand water. And based on the texture and the flavor of it, it drives your curiosity. Wow, I wonder what the water is like that fish was in. So for me, our um, dishes are drawn from stories. The story we want to tell, flavor I want to bring to you, the memory I want you to leave with. We had a couple in last week that said, wow, I've had uni already, but I've never had uni with caviar at the same time. Mm. So it's a linger of a memory and a story and a flavor that they left with. So that's how we built a lot of our dishes. Yeah, That's very cool. It's very experience driven. It is. I'm yeah. curious if, does it guide you through? You mentioned the New Zealand fish. Does that then pair with the next course that connects to that story in some so way? So how we built your menu, it's like, I, I refer to it like this. I've never done an, a music album, but I would think that every musician want all their songs to be number one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we build our menu like that. We create dishes and then we place them like an album. What song do you want to hear first? What dish do you want to serve first? Mm-hmm. What song comes second? It has to be just as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the second dish. And that's how we build a whole thing. So it's like building an album, but with food. And yeah. they all have to be, they all have to be individually stand on their own and really good. Right. Mm-hmm. They all got to make the greatest hits album. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it can't be, it can't be, ah, no one, okay. Ah, listen to the song. No, it's like they all have to be the banging music. That's okay. <laughs> they all have to be the same on the dishes. I, I love yeah. that analogy. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. What is your origin story? What sparked a young Andrew to discover his creative path into the culinary arts? And then at what point was it apparent that you were going to become a chef as a profession? Um, That started out, God, in my nine, ten years old. I don't think I had my wow. choice because I was the last, I was the youngest kid with my grandmother. So I was always in the kitchen with her. Um, all my brothers were way well educated than I am. So that was that was my calling. That was what I do. And I have never, I, you know, I say to people every day, I've been blessed. I've never worked a day in my life because I truly, and when I say this is not cliche, I truly enjoy what I do. Yeah. And thank God I've never been in a situation where I go in and watch the clock. Yeah. Like I enjoy what I do. And I'm one of those, you know, sometimes you have somebody, they're a carpenter, they're a mechanic, they're a nurse, they're, they're 10 things. I'm none of that. I'm one, I'm one thing. Mm-hmm. I know how to cook. That's yeah. it. And you do it really well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's all I know. So, you know. 
That's that is great. great. I don't have too many talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other hidden talents you need to no. tell us about? <laughs> yeah. You mentioned you haven't, you haven't made a uh, music album yet. Yeah. Do you play any instruments? No. 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 <laughs> we can start a band. <laughs> People who listen to this and know, they're probably like, yeah, good luck. So you've, you've also covered a little bit of this, but I want to dig a little bit deeper is, can you tell us a little bit about growing up in Jamaica? And what were your inspirations to pursue cooking as a child? And, and do we find elements of that in your cooking today? Um, the only elements of that you find in my cooking today is consistency. My grandmother teach me at a young age, God bless her soul, at a young age to be consistent. It was never a morning we wake up and the chocolate tea wasn't the same. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't no. even know chocolate tea was a thing. Yeah. yeah, there was never a morning I wake up and the roti wasn't the same. There was never a morning I wake up and the chutney wasn't the same. So I had consistency in my younger days from day one. So if there's anything I took with me was that. I know that to be great, you has to be consistent in what you do. No matter what you choose to do, you have to be consistent. It's the only way to greatness. So I took that with me just about everywhere I go. Uh, where the food is concerned, um, not much. You have to know your audience. And so a lot of what I grew up on is not what my audience are eating. Not that we won't at some point introduce it, because I think when the time is right, we will get more, I don't want to say radical, but I think when the time is right, we will cross those bridges. You know, mm -hmm. that's a good thing about food and culture and cuisine. There's so much out there. But it has to be the right time and place. Right. You mm -hmm. know, growing up, I didn't know the word organic. Because hmm. it all was. We, we, we <laughs> just thought, damn, we're poor. Everybody's going to the supermarket. Why is it we're reaping everything? <laughs> <laughs> you were a hipster and you <laughs> yeah, didn't know it. I didn't know. It's like, <laughs> why, you know, why is it we have to kind of make our own flour? It's yeah. at a supermarket. We couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Young, you know, why is it we were drinking sugarcane juice? Yeah. It, it didn't make sense to me. And now I look back and I'm like, damn, we eat everything organic and we were eating right. Right. Balanced meal, flavor, and how we develop flavor and everything, you know? It's like it, all of that was kind of preparing me for today. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. And it seems like at this time right now, it's that's what people are craving. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, that was your experience, but yeah. now now you put artisanal in front of it and you can charge <laughs> you know? twice as much. Exactly. You know? <laughs> you know, I grew up, um, I, I saw a restaurant the other day and they were juicing sugarcane in the restaurant <laughs> in front of the guests and everyone was getting excited. And I'm like, shit, me. I grew up on that every damn day. I could have been charging <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. I, yeah. Is there a particular dish that you grew up Making by your grandmother's side? Yeah, for me, it was always, you know, um, when I, I never forget on, on Sundays, my uncle um, would come from the, the big city. Not every Sunday, no one then. He'd come to the to the country where we live. And that's when you bring out, uh, you know, the fuel silver where you have and then wash the plate pretty good and you make him a meal, he and his friends. And I just remember... Um, I'll never forget the flavor, the smell, what it feels like. You know, taking coconut and grinding it on a stone to make the coconut chutney. Mm -hmm. And then making the puri and just to just to smell that oil and the puri frying in it and it's it's a thing. It's just it's a sense of place and time and 
feeling and happiness at the same time. That is where you were formed. Yeah, oh, That's absolutely. A formation and yeah. stuff of is probably tied a lot into the moments that happened around that and what happened while you're doing that. I, I'm curious, have you have you been back? Have you been You know, back to I visit? haven't been shaming me. I haven't been back in about probably 11, 12 years. I definitely do a trip right now, you know? And gosh, we look back, we're looking at ingredients even more in depth in different countries and everything now. And there's so much out there. Like when yeah. I go back, I want to just spend time eating my way across the mm -hmm. parishes and everything because there's so much good food there. You know, you think about it, the Jamaica is a mix. It's a mixed pot. It's a mix. Mm -hmm. You got people from all over the world living right. in Jamaica. Right. And they all brought their cuisine, their spices. Mm -hmm. And so the culture there is just food is out of this world. You never think that, but it's it's a big food scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's my my parents had been there and I have a person myself and they're they always when we went on vacations and stuff, they were always like they wanted to get off the beat and they wanted to see where the locals ate mm -hmm. and then and then find out where what the local life was like. Yeah. And they always took us with us. And that was eye opening for me because we never stayed in a resort. We right. never we always saw what other people how they lived yeah. in all over the world. And so for me, that influence that, that you're communicating is I really, I haven't been to Jamaica, but I can tap into that and say that that's some of the best stuff of traveling. Yeah. That's some of the best stuff of, of going and visiting other cultures is finding those moments that you're talking yeah. about and experiencing them. You did that with the people of Oklahoma yeah. is you've, you, you tapped into some of those seminal things that make us Okies right. and people need to do that with traveling. They don't need to be scared to get off the, yeah. get off the ship or get off the grid. And There's so many great places here. Um, a lot of people don't even know that we're years ago. I don't know if it's still present, but we're one of the biggest cultivator of peanuts. Yeah. I did not know that. I That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's so much here that I was talking to a friend the other day um, from LA and I'm like, listen, you guys can talk all you want about LA, but if you search hard enough, there's a little everything in LA is in Oklahoma. Yeah. Guarantee. At half the price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what has your experience been like preparing the Gilded Acorn to open at the first national? Um, you know, what is Gilded Acorn? I've always wanted to create a restaurant that is kind of a I've always been fascinated with Tiffany in New York. You know, you pass and the windows are beautiful and everything is gifted perfectly. Great blue box. They wrapped it so nice. Perfect. I've always said, what if a restaurant could be that? You know? So Gilded Acorn is this restaurant where the windows, when you pass, it's, it's the macaroons, it's the chocolate, it's the truffles. It's a place where you go in and the, the coffee program is top notch. We do high tea and champagne. And when you come in for lunch, you know, expect your sandwich to be in this gift wrap paper. And when you're going home or you want to pick up a, even if it's a, a piece of pastry, it's in the perfect gift box. That's cool. It, it, it's just, you go in and you're like, a, it's like you're a kid in Wonderland. It's just, everything is there and it tastes so good and it's so perfect. Yeah, and the space is beautiful. To do that in the first national, it's just a, it's kind of a milestone being 
achieved for me personally because I've loved that building so much. I remember yeah. doing catering in that building when I was working at a Skirvin. And so to, to be in Oklahoma and did the Skirvin, and then now in the first national. That's huge. And then did Vass and Flint. And mm-hmm. now our project, it, it's just, yep. sometimes I have to pinch myself and wonder if someone is punking me or something. Yeah, I know, because that's, that's a great <laughs> yeah. resume. I yeah. mean, that's, that's <laughs> fabulous. And I, I, I just get so excited. I work across from the first national and mm. I see, I've, we've seen every, we've complained about construction forever now, yeah. <laughs> but now they've taken away the barriers. Oh, so beautiful. Stuff man. is, there's stuff starting to show yeah. up in the windows and stuff. And everybody's getting really excited because even in a lesser state, it was, ex, it was a hub for downtown. Right. You had in, you know, on your way, there was like a little Chinese food store that it was the mm-hmm. only place downtown that had like, bananas and Cheetos and and batteries, you know, (laughs) there were things like that, that we, that everybody loved that. And then that was taken kind of taken away during the construction. Right. I think there's an anticipation, not necessarily for bananas, apples, and Cheetos, uh, but for what comes next, I think it will change downtown because it will be something that's open all the time. It'll be something that's off. That's going to revitalize downtown right. more people will be open longer than two o'clock yeah. downtown because yeah. the first national and the gilded acorn and all the yeah. other things that come that are there i think it's a you're at a really neat place in history yeah. i think thank you and thanks for saying that because you know sometimes you're you're busy about your day just going that kind of leave your mind and your thought process you just so involved in what's going on you it's hard to take a step back and say wow I've been very fortunate. So thanks for saying that because that is true. It's a really unique space. And, you know, my encouragement there, I I wish, I hope everyone that can get to First National, especially the Helder generation, just walk through there and see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I've traveled and lived all over the world. There's not much place in the world you're going to see something like this. It's special. It is. It is special. It, it was it was special whenever I remember going in there. It used to be open to the public. You go in the lobby and it was kind of run down, and but you could still feel like the, the you could still feel like the the energy of right. like this was a great place. Now when people walk in, it's going to be even a greater right. place yeah. that hasn't diminished the history at all. Right. It's only elevated. Exactly, it. they did. They they've done a perfect job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. We're constantly advocating for cultivation of community through creativity. What does that look like to you? I think as we grow and with the social media now and where we are in the workforce, I think that workplace, entity, restaurant, bars, art gallery, I think we really have to look at our future more with the kids. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we now... We've always wanted to employ experience, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's our experience. But how do we know when it comes on to community in a sense of driven a purpose, how do we know rally more than ever behind kids now? The few we always said invest in the future, but how do we how do we do that now on a different scale, on a bigger scale? How do we all gather in a community and say, hey, everyone has a responsibility? To really get that going. Mm -hmm. Because it's crazy right now what's going on. You know, the workforce can't find work. Can't find people to work. 
You know, I talked to someone the other day, a youngster, and he's like, well, no one will employ me. I have no experience. I'm like, go knock on these doors. Tell him you'll work there for two, three weeks for free. And when that's done, knock on another person's door. But don't let that stop your your passion. Mm-hmm. And it just tells me that's a very good question because it just tells me, even myself, we got to get to a space where we where start having those people in our in our under our umbrella. So for me, that's that's where it all really need to go back to. Mm-hmm. To if you look at history, J.P. Morgan, all these people, the men who built America, when you look back on those movies or those history, they always had the youngster working with them mm-hmm. to go to the next level. So that just tells you we're we're trying to, in my mind, I think we're trying to get away from it, but it needs to go back to it. Who are three local creatives that inspire you? Oh, that's easy. Um, gosh, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, I will tell you this, Laura from Art Space. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's Big great. time. That's my fave right there. Big time. <sighs> hmm. I love what the Good Egg Group does. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really do. So... And I'm, I wouldn't say I, I'm not close to them or anything, but just the restaurant that they have built. And I've never heard nothing bad about them and their hard worker, Keaton Etta Paul. So I, I kind of love what, not kind of, I love what they do, to be honest. So I'm inspired by them also, local. And, you know, I'm inspired by overall the leaders that are leading Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter the party, I'm inspired by them. And here's why. The MAPS program is something that, and I know some people just don't want to deal with it, but personally for me, the MAPS program is something that made sense in Oklahoma. So after being here for 15 years and to walk around and see the improvement, hats off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just tells you that a city can grow. It can grow. You know, and so I'm inspired by all those leaders, what they do, you know, good or bad in where the maps is concerned. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Is that a good enough political answer? Uh, (laughs) We don't care. You say what you want. And if it's too bad, we might edit it out. But I don't want to leave one out. We want to hear. Yeah, we want to hear your honest thoughts and like that. We'd like to thank Chef Andrew Black for sharing his time with us. You can also follow along with Chef Andrew Black on Instagram at Chef Andrew Black. And check out his website at www.chefandrewblack.com. Find this information and much more in our show notes for this episode at our website, www.rallyokc.com. And of course, we want to thank our audience for listening. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram at rally.up.okc. We'll be joining you again soon. Cheers! Cheers!